All right, ready? Gotta get the vocals. He went to Barca. He won the league in Spain. He went to Munich. He did the same again. He's fucking magic. And do you fucking know his name's Felipe? Philip Coutinho. Legendary. What a song. Aston Villa fans are just clutch right now. What percent of our audience do you think we lost by now? Or gained? Gained. Probably gained. I'm going to say the amount of people who were walking by when they heard this uh, this playing and thought, whoa, I need to tune into that. Astronomical. Because of we, we, we place this near um, local town squares and other places with high foot traffic. So I'm sure that people have heard this and they want more of it. I actually heard another tune about Anthony Alanga. Alanga, all right. It sounds however you want it to sound. Uh, that's been circulating, and I can't do it at all. But it makes me trying to put my water bottle down right now, all the way down there. Um, has me excited about uh, tunes. I just feel like we we could come up with our own tune. Just think about it. Where'd you hear that one? I see. Just sent it to you, boys. Instagram saw a couple of renditions of it. It's just so nice. It hits different now that he's back in the prem. It hits different. I see. Were you a fan? Were you a fan of Coutinho back when he was on Liverpool? I actually wasn't a, a prem fan at that point. There we go. Just poking holes. Anywho, yeah, you know, you think you think you get me every time. You just don't. <laughs> you just don't. I mean, I can't. I can't. You're Teflon. It just hits dude, you. It rolls right off. We're in second. Things are okay. All right. City's finally collapsing. Maybe. You're going to win so, the Carabao. You might just win the Carabao Cup. That's kind of a big deal. That's a trophy. Do you care about Cup? I care about all the Cups. If it's if there's a trophy, if there's hardware involved, Liverpool's there. <laughs> Liverpool Liverpool is like the Home Depot. They really <laughs> they love hardware. Love it. Yo, does anyone else hate the transition from NBCSN to USA? What is this garbage? USA is trash. Go off. Oh, we, just, we just lost that sponsor. That was quick, uh, but keep watching, going. Uh, a really rough game. Actually, the Sargent game. It was Norwich versus freaking Burnley. Who was it? It was just, it was pretty much bottom against bottom. And you know, Sargent scored a brace. But the, the lights in the stadium at the Norwich stadium were, uh, they're having trouble. So there's a 15-minute delay, which was trash. And then the USA connection was just going in and out. And I was like, what is this garbage? Why did NBCSN give it up? Why'd they give up the rights? It's a valid, valid complaint as they played Watford. Um, one, you know, if there is any channel you'd put a game on like that, probably, probably USA. I don't know. TNT might be almost too much for that. Might have to go to like USA AMC. I would have watched that on AMC <laughs> or like Disney Channel. That's probably a little pop. That's probably more popular. Uh, TLC. The O Network, MTV, MTV VH1, MTV Two. <laughs> Did you guys ever have like DirecTV and have like nine different HBO channels and you didn't really know? You ever see? You ever see that? You didn't. Yeah, that's right. You haven't seen a TV before. So, so <laughs> the um, uh, the USA thing. It's part of the initial contract that they had they had penned with NBC. You know, like five years ago or whatever. 
Um, and part of that is like a you know percentage share has to go to certain networks within within it. And a big portion of it, for example, they might say has to be aired on Peacock to help grow their user base. And so with the new contract that they just signed, I don't know what the share is between different networks in particular, um, but I think Peacock has taken a larger share of what was the original percentage to help, you know, continue to draw people to the site. Very interesting stuff, business side of the uh, the, the whole aspect. We were talking TV yeah. rights back when Messi moved to PSG and Sergio Ramos acquired part of a network. And everyone was saying it was a really business savvy deal, recognizing that the French league was about to pop off. Has it happened? I don't know. I haven't seen the data. Give me the give me the raw, hard, fast data, and I'll give you a take. Give this man an Excel sheet yesterday. Give him, let him pivot table that. Yeah, but we'll also pivot into uh, into Afcon, the biggest tournament happening right now. We are the footy fellas since we've had an unorthodox start to today. Really, just jumping into it, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about Afcon. We're gonna talk about U.S. qualifying coming up, World Cup qualifying back for the men. We'll also likely touch on Premier League because that's what the footy fellas do. But let's start with little Afcon, the Africa Cup of Nations that has sort of galvanize the soccer world, either because players are leaving from your team to play there. It's such a big spectacle. The fans go crazy. The level of competition and what it means to the teams involved, especially a smaller team like Comoros, that it's their first time in the competition. They had some big wins. The whole country gets excited. It's uh, it's really meaningful. So any first impressions on if AFCON has felt different to either of you this year, either because of the pandemic or just your excitement about soccer in general? It's, um, you know, I think, I think on the face of it, I haven't really watched nearly enough. Um, but on the face of it, uh, I've seen a lot of media that's just hyping up how exciting the tournament is. Generally, there's a lot of passion and, um, and a lot of, um, uh, uh, just a lot of opportunity for these smaller nations that really do not get the exposure outside of the continent of Africa. Um, you know, uh, Equatorial Guinea or Mauritania, uh, Tunisia, you know, balling out into the, into the knockout stages. Um, you've got small little, uh, Gabon, which is where Aubameyang is from. And, and that hardly ever gets any, any media. Um, you know, and then and then also, again, as a peripheral fan, these flags are just so much better than the flags I see in the day to day basis in my octagonal, you know, U.S. versus, you know, Canada kind of games. Boring. Give me some of this uh, Zimbabwe because that's some real color. That's some real action there. Um, but to the players, I think AFCON is always such an awesome opportunity for players who may not uh, be on stages large enough to get the notoriety that they deserve. Um, and there's some young talents that I'm really excited about. Uh, hopefully we'll be making it to big clubs, um, after this tournament. So maybe, maybe when the tournament's done, we'll do a little, uh, review of top, top young players, top overall players and, um, best performances, but that's my little ramble, what I'm enjoying about the tournament thus far. Yeah. I have to say I'm fairly new to AFCON and it's mainly hitting because a couple studs on Liverpool, namely Mo Salah and Sadio Mane, are gone. And they're playing in AFCON and their respective clubs, teams, countries, nations. And, you know, it's making me definitely pay more attention to 
to it and cheering them on Senegal and Egypt respectively. And um, it's been uh, same with Jones. I haven't watched nearly enough, but hearing a lot about it, seeing a lot about it. I mean, these players are, you know, some of them may not be superstars when they play on their European club teams, but when they play for their nations, I mean, they are, they have royalty. So it's, it's a pretty special tournament for, for all these players, I'm sure. And to win the AFCON would be awesome. So I'm, I'm definitely hoping to pay attention as we, as we whittle down the field to the last eight uh, in a couple of days by Wednesday, we'll know the final eight. Like you said, these players are heroes in their respective countries and winning this tournament would mean everything. We're in the round of 16. It just started. We've got some results from today. Teams that I'm surprised, shocked almost, didn't make it out of their group stages. One of them, Ghana. I haven't followed their trajectory in the last two, three years, but I know them from playing some hard games against the U.S. in the World Cup in 2014 2010, right? It was two back-to-back World Cups for sure where they clashed. And I think they got the better of the U.S. once. The U.S. maybe won one of those games 2-1 to one with that early Dempsey goal. And then the John Brooks header uh, had a dream speech. So um, I'm surprised that Ghana and looking at their, their team right now, they have a bunch of studs. They still have the IU brothers. They have Thomas Partey. They have... Uh, Daniel Amarte, the Leicester defenders, their center back. They have a bunch of top tier, well-known players and they finished last in their group, a group that also included Comoros, who was a first time tournament entry and Gabon and Morocco. The other team that I'm shocked fell last in their group was Algeria with Riyad Mahrez, stud for Manchester City and Benarama, the West Ham center attacking mid two top top tier talents and they finish with one point in their group so if nothing else it goes to show that there's more and more talent in this tournament and the teams are becoming more level so certain teams players are, are making it on the world stage and and having a chance to shine which is all we can ask for it's been um it's also been exciting to look through the teams looking through the groups um in the in the first group round and um and seeing just how many of these different nations had notable players that I regularly watch, if not am familiar with um, to some degree, which is also really encouraging for, again, a tournament that has been deprioritized relative to, to others historically. Um, So very exciting there um, and very promising for the knockout rounds where a lot of these big stars have to show up if their team's going to make it through. What happened in these knockout rounds, Jones, the round of 16 kicked off, this past weekend, we're recording on a Monday. Not sure when you'll hear this, but what happened in that first set of games from the round of sixteen? Well, uh, there were uh, there were quite a lot of colors flying. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Um, you know, in the NFL uh, this past weekend, if you were watching and you're an American, you don't have to be. Uh, a lot of the games were decided by last minute field goals, either sending them into the overtime or or finishing the game up properly. Um, the difference this time around is every game decided to have a little bit of color. Every game had a red card, if not multiple, uh, which is pretty terrifying um, and shows just how passionate these these knockout round games are. We had Burkina Faso knocking out Gabon in PKs, seven to six. That's a, that's a lot of made PKs. Pretty stressful at the end there. Um, Nigeria uh, was knocked off by Tunisia. And I believe, uh, Winter, can you confirm that Nigeria was the team you had picked? You'd put a lot of money on Nigeria making it through the entire tournament? 
I now have a doubled my student loan debt. <laughs> so, Jesus. I'm I'm back in the hole. Back in the hole. Minus the, the student loan doubling debt part, I also picked Nigeria to win the tournament. And Icy and I are both sad boys now. Uh-huh. They, they struck uh-huh. out. Well, well, you guys are ruining the day. You didn't pick the team that plays last in the uh, first knockout round. Anyway, <laughs> Uh, and then you have uh, Guinea and Gambia, which uh, uh, saw Gambia come out on top 1-0. And then Cameroon took out Comoros. Um, Comoros, who got a, a red card in the seventh minute and only lost 2-1. to one. They even went down 2-0, brought back a goal. It just shows you the, the heart they brought to this tournament. Wild. Um, and so then upcoming, we have tomorrow, we have Senegal versus Cape Verde. So I think that's Mane versus the world. And then you have Morocco versus Malawi. Game I'm most looking forward to is uh, is Mali, um, uh, the last uh, game of the tourney uh, of this first round, or excuse me, the knockout round. Mali Mali's got some some fun players. They've got um, uh, Eve Basuma. They've got Kuyate Sako. Uh, they've got the Triores. They've just got all of the Triores. They have Kone Ibrahima Kone, um, Kulabali's three Kulabali's on the bench. And more Triores on the bench. I see. Any final thoughts on AFCON? Shocking loss for Nigeria in this first uh, round of elimination. They were undefeated in group play, and I think probably the arguably the favorites, one of the favorites to win it all. Uh, and Algeria, as you mentioned, they were defending champions in 2019 to lose and come last in the group stage. is pretty upsetting for them. Well, a tournament and a team... Possibly not as exciting in the moment, but a bit closer to home for these fellows is the U.S. men's national team who is back on their qualifying grind. If, if folks forgot, we covered them heavily in the last portion of qualifying. They're one point back of Canada with a, a huge win in their last game. And uh, they've got El Salvador, Canada, and Honduras coming as the next three teams in the, over the course of a week. When I say that, do you get excited? Do you get scared? I see. How does that make you feel? I get pretty pumped. Uh, it's, it'll be fun to see the team back together and see what they can do. I was, and I've mentioned, and you guys have heard me say on the pod previously that I've been disappointed with how we've played pretty much up until now. Maybe we had a couple of good runs at the last jaunt of games that we had, but overall it's been subpar. And I think the team needs to really pull it together. And there's a lot. There's a bunch more games left, uh, six more games at least. Um, so, you know, really got to get results, got to win, got to beat El Salvador, probably by a lot. That'd be nice. Got to beat Canada to even a win against Canada would be massive. Uh, I think that that would make me feel really good about solidifying our, our ticket to the World Cup. But, you know, easier said than done. So we just got to get out there and play and I hope we can really score some goals and put put them away, put the teams away. It's a huge stretch right here with two of these three games against the seventh and eighth place teams, the last two teams in the octagonal, El Salvador, Honduras, Canada. A point would be nice. I'd take a draw against Canada and two wins in the other games. If we can get six points, if we can win two out of these three games, we should be in really good shape to go through. I, I was curious, what do you guys think out of the last six games, what, what record does the U.S. need to pull out do they need just two two wins and a tie or or is there a little bit more i was almost thinking four wins could could guarantee you you know 
a move up there. And that could include losses to Canada and Mexico, um, if need be, just to outpace your Panama, I think, who's uh, neck and neck with Mexico in fourth right now. Yeah, I would say at least, I think uh, if I'm the coach, you know, coaches wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do this if I were a coach, but you're trying to, I think you're trying to hit 25. I think 10 more points is sort of the, the, uh, the line in the sand. Obviously you want to get, what is this, 18 left? Get all 18. That's what we need. Um, that'd be really good, good momentum going into the World Cup. But I think 10, 10 points last six games, I think would, would get us through. Yeah, all 18. What do, you, what do you think? We take one game at a time. Would you also say that? Do you also believe in that theory? You take it one game at a time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If I were the coach, I mean, that's how I would mentally <laughs> uh, you know, run my team. You know what it's really like in the locker room. I lay out the next 10 games. I tell them, we're going to win every damn game. We're not looking at today. We're looking at next week. Halftime, halftime. You're telling them, all right, guys, start thinking about next game. <laughs> we got to start saving our bodies for that one. That's probably what Pepe's doing with the scoring run he's been on. Once he bags a goal, he's like, all right, here's my goal. Think, looking ahead the next game. I would love for Pepe to just go off. It's... um. Uh, you know, he, he is, he's exploded onto the scene. Um, I almost wonder if it's, uh, it's such a pace that he just can't keep up with it. Um, but it, you know, conversely and the thing that you hold on to, the hope that you have is like, maybe he is just that legit and he will maintain this, this form. Um, so if he, if he pulls out and I'm calling it now, if he pulls out a game winner against Canada, yeah, I'll get peppy tattooed on my pee pee. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say you'll get Peppy like happy. And that would be cute until you finish it. <laughs> Peppy Le Pew. <laughs> also, rumors of Brendan Aronson getting poached by Leeds? Mm-hmm. $25 million bid for Mr. Aaron's son, who I thought just went to uh, Leipzig Salzburg. or Salzburg. I always mix them up. Did RB. He go, did he go to Leipzig? Which one? No, it was Salzburg. Salzburg. Salzburg, yeah. Yeah, I read, um, I saw a tweet somewhere saying that. Um, he leads the league or is like top something in the league. I, I, I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, it was like, you know, you know, this bid for Aronson almost feels shocking until you realize that he has the like highest work rate among like, you know, the top 5% of players in Europe or something like he doesn't stop running. I'm sure Bielsa saw that same headline and that's why they <laughs> seriously, that's why they're going after him. He's their player. He's well, their type of player. I think that's the thing. I think the tweet came out after the bids were going for him and they're saying, well, yeah, if you look at the data, it's, it's not as surprising because he, yeah, he's kind of popping off on those stats. So we, we might even get the lineup could look a lot different. You get Pulisic back, right? Mm-hmm. He's back is I was just trying to look up maybe a, a predicted lineup just to get a sense of injuries. I feel like you probably have Reina back. Oh, I don't know if he's back. That's a great question. Injured in the past. We're going to have a a really strong-looking U.S. squad. So you could even argue they had a great first eight games with the team they had, and a big part of that was Pepe stepping up because no one else could score goals. Now you get your actual two to three biggest stars back from injury. You have no excuse. First of all, you have no excuse anymore. But second of all, we should just be in a better spot. They should just be winning more games. I worry about form. I worry about how they play together. Have they had enough time under their belts in in, in regular league play? I know Pulisic has been getting a lot of game time in, in the in the prem, so hopefully he's ready and raring. But 
Um, but you really never know. And that's the, that's the beauty of, of CONCACAF play, right, AC? Like you just never know who's coming out there. You don't know what the state of the field is going to be. Um, all you kind of know is, you know, are you in the trenches with your brothers, right? You know, are you, are you there to, you know, sweat and bleed with your, with your homies who will, who will leave it out there for you, with you th- through the end, through the end of time, just never give up. Yep. Yep. Never Absolutely. Give in. Absolutely. Hey, quick thing, quick thing here. You know, we went a couple months ago, right? Didn't we get all hyped that, um, Minnesota, Minneapolis is going to be hosting a February 20th World Cup qualifying game. I don't see a February 20th World Cup qualifying game. Did they change that? Is that not happening anymore? Oh, shoot, it is. February 2nd. Nope, it is still. <laughs> Heck yeah, let's freaking go. I thought the date was the 20th. Minnesota's going to get rowdy. Icy's going to be there. He just wasn't sure Holy when. shite, dude, that's sick. Yeah, I'm trying to go. What the that's heck? That's a week from now. You got you to gotta get in your A game. So we feel good to wrap it up. We feel good about the U.S.'s chances. If they can win this next three-game stretch coming up this upcoming uh, Thursday through the following Wednesday, February 2nd, if they can win two of these games, they're looking sitting pretty. Yep. Looking good. And it, it'll be fun to, to watch them play Canada. Now that's becoming a more serious rivalry because Canada's gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. The U.S. have been solid enough that it's, it's an exciting one to watch, for real. Hell yeah, brother. So we'll be glued on that. We'll finish, as promised, with Premier League. What do we want to talk about, PL-wise? What's the story? What's the scoop? What's the bloopity doop? Yo, I know it's, you know, not hype, but every every season, I think I mentioned this last year, I mentioned this probably every every year that we've been watching together. I always hit a lull. I always hit a lull in the season. And it's it's creeping. It's been creeping. And I think it doesn't help that COVID delays are really just scattered across game weeks, and it kind of sucks and also makes fpl really annoying um but i've been zoned out i've still been paying attention to fpl i won't i won't make that mistake again like i did last season where i forgot about it for a couple game weeks but there's a lull i'm not uh you know maybe it's afcon maybe a lot of those great players are just not not playing but i don't know i kind of sense a lull even in the in the league itself like there's just not the energy that i'm used to do you think it has to do with city running away running away with the title do you think that makes games a little less compelling for the following, you know, three or four teams and the importance of those games, which would then be, you know, four or five more interesting games in a given week. Yeah, I think it definitely is part of it. It was more exciting when Chelsea, Liverpool and, you know, City were kind of every game. It was up and down. Who's who's jostling for those positions? Um yeah, uh, I hope that that tie against Aston Villa really is sort of a thing to come uh, for for City. But yeah, who knows? I don't know. Um, I think I think that's probably a big part of it. It's a long season. I was talking to a friend recently who asked how long soccer happens, and I started with the Premier League in England and said nine months. It's eight nine months of the year, which is crazy. They have a three month off season. Otherwise, it runs from September to June, right right at the beginning of the summer. It's just hard to keep people's attention for anything for nine months, an ongoing event that happens once a week. We're also not, part of it has to be the our surroundings in America, where yes, we three are excited. It obviously helps that we talk about it, even if we haven't been chatting as much. It's still fun in the group, you know, chatting for podcasts. It's still fun in the group chat. We've got the Premier League. There's still a lot of ways to get involved. 
but you don't go outside on a Saturday and walk down the street and there's like people chanting and a local game and a pub that's packed, obviously for other reasons, we're missing that. And right. so it's hard without the constant energy of you can feed off of other people around you physically. It's hard to stay engaged for nine months, man. No, it's a huge difference. I um, I remember you're making me think back to, you know, the last time I was ever out with like a jersey on and, and someone out of their car like yelling at me like because they also recognize it was where I was wearing a Pogba jersey and it was after some game, you know, oh, you know what I think it was? I think it was the World Cup. I think it was 2018 when I was just walking around and had a Pogba jersey on after France just won and people were excited about that. Yeah, I just feel like you don't you don't have that as much totally um, these days, especially not not when it's you know cold outside team trying to keep us excited though norwich city true since we last spoke they've won two games whoop maybe even more but they won their last two games and they're out of the relegation zone so we, Dude, we josh josh reverse jinx them. yeah josh Sargent. one of them was a nice i only saw the replay but it was a nice back heel flick that was pretty smooth a little scorpion yeah. flicker He's trying to work his way back into the U.S. lineup after a long, long spell, long drought, and and that's kind of what you need, you know. If anything, it feels like it feels like his peak is just a little like if if he was peaking like this maybe three weeks ago, you'd guarantee kind of a spot back in that in that lineup. Um, but a little tricky, little little too little too late. Another big story on the other side of the coin: Everton has been trash. <laughs> And they finally fired Rafa Benitez because of it. Yeah, it was about time. Um, and, and the ownership is starting to feel the pressure too. Uh, as the team's just been floundering uh, season after season now. And and they, I think there's some genuine con- concern for you know how they will fare. I, I think that they should be fine. They, I think my simple analysis of how, like if we ranked uh, the salaries per team, I think that usually puts them in the top half and they should be fine. But um, definitely not a good look to be hovering in, in the relegation zone. Promoted teams have all started to regress a bit. Aside from Norwich, who's won two games, which for them is insane. Watford is has slipped mightily. I think they haven't won in their last nine or ten. I've seen something like that. And Brentford has also lost their last four games. So unfortunately, those newly promoted teams are starting to sneak ever closer to the relegation zone once again. Yeah, you guys mentioned Everton's struggles. The the fear of relegation for them? Is that even a thing that's crossing minds? Crazy. They're in 16th. I think it's um I think they've got a couple games in hand, so hopefully that'll help them squeak up a little bit, but that's assuming that they actually win something in those those four forthcoming games. Um another team that we might need to worry about potentially dropping is probably Man City to Icy's point. You know, they just suffered a draw uh, this past weekend. Pretty humiliating, if you ask me. And uh, it seems like Liverpool is starting to rope them in. Um, if not, you know, starting to be challenged by Uniteds of the world who are just ascending like a rocket to the top of the table, unsurprisingly. Oh, man. Quick comment just before the end of this um, on that Liverpool game. God, I was thinking if I was Klopp at halftime, I would have taken them in there and being like, you know, any half, any 45 minutes of soccer, Liverpool could beat any team in the world. They dominated Crystal Palace for the 45 minutes. It was like the most dominant Premier League performance I'd seen this season for sure. It was just great. 
energy level was fantastic. Crystal Palace probably had 100 passes, maybe, in 45 minutes. The second half was trash, dude. Liverpool was getting work. Crystal Palace had more expected goals than Liverpool. It was just ridiculous. And Liverpool squeaked out a win with kind of a crappy PK. And it's just trash. How can you be so dominant in the first 45 minutes and then so bad in this next 45 minutes? It was it was quite pathetic to watch. And I'd be I'd be really pissed if I were Klopp. I'm kind of ticked off as a fan. But what are you gonna do? A win is a win, but it didn't feel good. Chelsea's feeling that more than more than anyone these anyone these days that a win is a win because that just shows you how perfect you have to be to reach basically Man City's potential and output these days. These last three Premier League seasons, four Premier League seasons, where you go through a run like Chelsea did of drawing three, losing one, and you're ten points off the the title race all of a sudden. Like you can't, you know, like you're saying, I see even a half for Liverpool. They happen to, to play so well in the first half, they built a lead. And they they made it to the finish line, but if you play like that for a full game or a string of games, that's it. And teams even as good as Chelsea can feel that pressure sometimes. And, and Chelsea, uh, you know, they just had their probably roughest stretch of games um, that they'll feel um, all season. I think they may have one or two upcoming. I think yeah, they've got a yeah, they've got a nice stretch upcoming. Crystal Palace, very cozy. Burnley, Newcastle, Norwich. Brentford, Southampton, Leeds. Yeah, no, they're they're feeling pretty they're feeling pretty good, um, all things considered. So they, they do have to make up some ground, um, but the pressure, I would say, the pressure's on City. The pressure's on City and any teams that are trying to vie for for that fourth place um, or fifth place. Pretty exciting stuff too. That will still be the most exciting race for fourth, assuming City continues to run away with it. I guess I'm stating the obvious. It's the relegation battle now that Newcastle's right on the edge. And if they're still on the edge, that'd be amazing the last two, three weeks. And that fourth, fifth spot, I hope it's Man U, West Ham, Arsenal, Tottenham duking it out till three weeks left in the season. Three game weeks left. Do you think Brighton will break the ties record for a season? I think I'm going to just note that. I want us to keep mind of what that is. 17. Sure. 17 is the record? Yeah. Or that's what you're, that's what you're picking. Yeah, that's the record. 17? Oh, they got that. What do they have to... How many games they got left? Five they ties, five and 16? Yeah. They could do that. A, they've, they've got freaking four in the last five, so... But <laughs> can they break the record and also finish with a zero goal difference like they have right now? That would be impressive. <laughs> Man, they would be... They'd probably be bottom half of the table, actually, if they uh, yeah. they maintain that, that form. I was going to say, Leicester still plummeting, doing doing what they do. Yeah, that's just such a weird team this season. Villa, so unlucky. They have eight wins. So many losses. I bet they just have lost a couple nail nail biters or something that didn't go their way. They would be they probably might be ahead of Brighton if some of those games were you know, went the other way. Oh well. Now they got Gerard. I think Aston Villa will be a top ten team. With Gerard and who else? Philippe. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. So come back and we'll see you then. See you next week. Au revoir. See ya.